in this grace series and this grace series has been such a blessing to my life because it has really exposed me to the depths of the love of God for his people it exposed me to the depths of the love of God for people that sometimes feel unlovable it also exposed me to the depths of the love of God toward those who are in the household of faith who for one reason or another have fallen away from the Lord. I want to reiterate today how much God loves you. I want to share with you today another word that I believe will bless your lives. We're going back to Luke chapter 15 and we're coming out of the New King James Version of Scripture. And I want you to just take a moment to hear this parable that Jesus shares, the third of three parables that he shares to get across his point of the restorative power of God. Verse 11 reads, then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them now, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So the, he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I want you to grab a hold of that part. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and then began to be merry. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given us for today. 
Please, Lord, speak to our hearts. Share your heart with us so that we might know you more fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, everybody. Say amen. I want to speak to you today from the topic lost and found, homecoming. Lost and found, homecoming. If you paid attention over the last three to four weeks, you have seen the extent that God will go through to redeem what's his. In our first message, we shared with you the parable of the lost sheep. How that the shepherd had not had 100 sheep and one sheep got lost. And he left the 99 and searched until he found that one sheep. In our second parable, we learned about a woman who had 10 pieces of silver. She lost her piece of silver and she began to sweep and clean the entirety of her home until she found that one piece of silver. In both of the stories, Jesus is sharing with the group of Pharisees and scribes and a group of tax collectors and sinners, how powerful the love, the grace, and the mercy of God actually is. These parables would not have been necessary if it had not been for the attitude of the Pharisees and the scribes towards those who were lost. They took issue with the fact that Jesus spent time dining and sharing and talking with sinners. And so they brought this issue to Jesus and Jesus does what only Jesus can do in a way that only Jesus can do it. He begins to educate both audiences so that they walk away aware of who God actually sent him down here for. He wanted the Pharisees and the scribes to know that they were not better than the tax collectors and the sinners, but he also wanted the tax collectors and the sinners to know that they were not lower than the Pharisees and the scribes. And one of the things that blows my mind about Jesus and what I love about Jesus is that Jesus does not have an aversion to sinners. He does not have an aversion to sinners. He does not have an issue with welcoming sinners. He does, though, have an issue with sin. And we have got to learn how to separate the two. We can love the sinner and we can have a problem with their sin. Because the only way that they are going to be redeemed, the only way that they are going to come to Christ is if we put those things in the proper perspective. Just because a person is a sinner, it does not mean that God does not love for them. God does not care for them. God proves his love for them every day that he wakes them up and gives them another opportunity to repent. And I would beg that all of us take a moment to remember where we came from. 
to remember that we were always the same Holy Ghost righteous people we are who know who knew scripture and who knew amazing grace but once upon a time we were out there in the world and as Paul put it we deserve the wrath of God even as they do if you remember where you came from do me a favor and slip your hands up in the air and thank God for how far he's brought you We've got three different stories here. We've got one story where a sheep wanders off because that's what sheep do. Sheep wander off and get lost in the wilderness and they lose their way. Their compasses are bad. Their inward compasses are bad and they can't seem to be able to redirect themselves and get back to where they came from. So the shepherd had to go and even though he would call for the sheep, the sheep would still hear the voice, be afraid, want to be helped, but still run in the opposite direction. And the shepherd would have to search and search and search until he found it. And in the story of the lost coin, we found that coins get lost by falling and that the coin was lost in the house. But it was not the fault of the coin that the coin got lost. It's just that 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 pool of sin that seems to fight at us. Paul says that even when he wanted to do right, he couldn't do right. And I mean, it's even he didn't want to do the wrong thing. It seems like that's what he was drawn to. Paul talked about that war in his members. Sometimes I think some of us forget that we still at war. We look at people who fall to sin and we forget that we fail in different ways that people just couldn't see. Talk to me, somebody. See, we talk about the sins that we can see that people committed. But what about the stuff that we did in private that nobody knows about? It's still all sin. The coin fell and got lost and the woman sweeps the house and moves furniture and pulls up rugs. Can you imagine her going through the entire house looking for one coin, but the coin held that much value to her that she searched for it. And now today we come to the prodigal son. We go from 100 sheep, Sister Ethel, to 10 silver pieces, Sister Palmer. Now down to two sons. We started off with 100 sheep, one getting lost, and him leaving the 99 to go get the one. We had 10 coins. She put the 10 aside to go and search for the one, but today we only have two sons. And the youngest of the two sons goes to his father, who is obviously a man of means, a man of wealth, and he says, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Now, in their day, it was an acceptable thing for a father to go ahead and settle his estate before he passed away. I know that today we don't do that until after the person has passed. But in that day, a father, knowing that he was getting older and would want to retire from the business of things, he could go ahead and divide his goods, his riches, his wealth between his children. But this son was so greedy. This son was so bigoty, he was so entitled until he felt like he could go to his father before his father came to him. 
And he said, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. One third of his, his father's possession, his son, him and his brother would split their portion 50-50. One third, he said, I want mine now today. And when he got it, he packed up all his stuff. He got his affairs in order and he left and went away to a faraway country. The scripture describe him as prodigal and the reason that it describes him as prodigal. Can I give you a definition for that word? That word is reckless and wasteful. That word prodigal means reckless. It means wasteless and wasteful. And so what it says is that he wasted his living. He wasted his 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 wealth, his his inheritance on reckless and wasteful living. I wonder if there's anybody watching on, 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 on TV today or on your phone or your computer or anybody in this parking lot who's ever been reckless and wasteful. Uh, have you ever, come on, talk to me, somebody. Have you ever been reckless and wasteful with the resources that God has given you? You might not have messed up money, but some of us messed up our lives. Some of us messed up some moments. Would somebody talk to me? This breath that he gave us, everything to have breath is supposed to praise the Lord. And some of us use this breath to do things that did not honor God. Can I get anybody to admit that at one point in my life, I was reckless? and I was wasteful that's what prodigal means he wasted his father's inheritance it was his father's money everything that he had was his father's the bed that he slept on the covers that he put over his body the pillow that he laid his head on the bathroom that he went through the table that he sat down to eat those eggs and grits the, and the eggs and grits belonged to his daddy the fork that he used the, the spoon to stir the coffee the coffee come on the wool that it took to make his clothing the sheep that the wool came from it was all his father's can I tell somebody that everything that we have is God's it's all his and some of us some of us have wasted some of us have wasted the stuff that God has given us and just like this young man he he had this idea like it was owed to him like his father owed him something when really it was the reverse he owed his father everything. Now I could imagine, I could imagine if that had been my son, Elder Smith, I might have taken issue with him coming to ask for his portion. I might have got a little upset with him, Sister Smith, and told him you ain't getting nothing. Pack your bags and get up out of here with what you came here with. You came with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. That might be how I would handle it. But watch the father. The father gives him his stuff and allows him to leave with it. You see, I've been thinking about this thing, Mama, uh, Mother Cobb, good to see you. I've been thinking about this thing, and I was thinking that if you beg somebody to stay, you're going to always have to beg them to stay. <laughs> see, see, some people walking because they need to walk. They need to learn some lessons that they could not learn if they didn't go out there and experience life without a covering. You see, we've been so blessed. God's been so good. Until, see, God is so good at what he does, Deacon Nelson, until it looks easy out here. 
Sometimes parents, children will look at you and how you flow and what you're doing. And they'll think, I can do that. I can live on my own. I can pay my own bills. I can have my own house come when I want to, leave when I want to. I don't have to do what my mom and daddy say no more. I can make my own rules. And they think it's easy out there. And that's because they don't really understand how hard it is. It's just that the grace of God is so heavy on you. That's what's difficult looks easy. And they think that they can go out and do it just like you did it. But see, sometimes they got to go out there and see just how difficult life really is so the father allows him to leave and he leaves and he goes out and because of his youth and his inexperience and because his lack of ability to appreciate how hard his father worked for everything that he had and that he had given him and because he had not had to go through what his father went through in order to get what he had he went out and he wasted it on reckless and wasteful living. He went out and partied with all of the new friends he made in a foreign land. And then when the, running, when the, when the money ran out, the friends ran off. I said when the money ran out, the friends ran off. There was nobody to finance the party anymore, Deacon King. There was nobody to keep the drinks pouring. There was nobody to keep the music going. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There was nobody to pray, pay for the Uber to go to the next club. There, there, was, there was no more money. And when the money ran off, the run out, the fringe ran off. And so he ends up broke and alone. And, 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 and a famine hits the land. A famine hits the land. What, what timing? I read a commentary, Elder Johnson, where it said that the boy's behavior did not cause the famine. But his behavior caused the famine to be worse for him. If he had been at his daddy's house. Under his daddy's covering with his daddy's resources, then the famine would not have been as bad as it was in his life because his father still had more than enough wealth to survive a dry spell. But the timing of the famine is impeccable. That, 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 that the famine hit at the point where he ran out of money. And instead of him going back home to his father at that moment, he continued to go further away from the father. Doesn't it remind you a little bit of the sheep? Doesn't it remind you a little bit of the coin and when the coin falls, it rolls away. Doesn't it remind you the sheep that what should bring it back seems to force it further away. And instead of going back to his father, he runs deeper into sin and he connects himself to a citizen of that country. And the citizen of that country employs him working with the pigs. Now, this is a good Jewish boy and they don't eat pork. And because they want it to be good Jewish people observant of the law, pleasing unto God, they would not even work with pigs. But the story tells us that this young man not only worked with the pigs, but he got so hungry that at one point he started to eat the slop.
that the pigs were eating. Now, I've never seen pig slop in person before. I don't know what it smells like. I, I, I don't know exactly what it consists of, but from what I can see on my TV, it doesn't look very good. Any country people know what pig slop look like? Wave at me, wave, blow your horn at me if you've ever seen it before, smelled it before. Uh, a, a good, godly boy is now about to eat with the pigs, and then it hits him. Back at my daddy's house, the servants there have more than enough. In the middle of a famine, the people who work for my father have more than enough. While I'm sitting here, the son of the father and I don't have anything. And, and can I say something to y'all? Not only was there famine, but God cut off all the supplies. Because nobody would even give anything to him. Nobody would help him out. You see, let me say something. This realization that this young man is about to come to, he came to only because he was allowed to hit bottom. Sometimes we have to hit bottom. Yeah. I know none of y'all out here have ever had to hit bottom in your life. I know, I know you don't know what I'm talking about. Pastor Taylor is the only one that had to hit bottom. I'm the only one that had to get so low that the only way I could look was up. The only way that I could go was up. The only person that I could turn to was God that I had made such a mess of my life that if God didn't help me, if there was not grace, if there was not mercy that I would have died in my sins. Can I get anybody here to praise God with me that we hit our bottom and when we did a light came on. The scripture says he came to himself. He came to himself, which means he was not behaving as he would normally behave. He was out of character. And he came to himself. And he says, I tell you what I'll do. He says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to my father. Watch this part now. He says, and I'm going to say to my father, I am no longer worthy to be your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Upon doing a little research, I learned the difference between sons, slaves, and hired servants. Everybody say sons, slaves, and hired servants. I like the way y'all sound. That sounded so good. I hadn't done that since like 2019. Can we do that again? Everybody say sons, slaves, and hired servants. Boy, Lord, it's so good to see y'all. Y'all on, on virtual, forgive me for a minute. I just had a moment. I just had a moment. <laughs> we hadn't done that a long time. And it just hit me. Good God from Zion. So, a son is an heir to everything the father has. Yeah. Now are we the sons of God. 
I'm going to wait for y'all to catch that. I said a son is an heir of everything the father has. Now are we the sons of God. That means we are heirs to everything that the father has. Now, a, a, a slave was not family, but lived like family. Lived in the house, ate the food and everything, and became close enough deep to be like family. But a hired servant was kind of like Georgia at will. You know, in the state of Georgia, they can hire you Friday and fire you Monday. As long as it's not racially motivated or do you understand religion or anything like that, they could just say, we don't need you no more. So for him to be brought back as a hired servant, he's saying, I don't feel like I'm worthy in any way to be connected with your family or your household or your legacy because I messed up so bad. So make me as a hired servant that you can get rid of whenever you want to. He was so low in his spirit. He was so broken that he did not feel worthy to be called his father's son anymore. Although his father's blood was coursing through his veins. He had messed up so bad. Anybody here ever messed up so bad that you felt like there was no way that you could that you could be a child of God you questioned your salvation you questioned whether or not God would love you anymore or God would receive you anymore that's a low place to be and that's where this young man was that's where he was he was so low he was so down that he says I'm not worthy to be his son he says I'm going to go and I'm going to say I sinned against heaven and I sinned before you and I just want to say I'm sorry and make me as your hired servant. And what I like about him is he did something that a lot of people don't ever make it to. He thought about it and then he did it. A lot of people still stuck on thinking. You'll meet people all the time who say, I know I need to get right with God. I know I need to go back to God. I know I need to get it right with God, but but I got to get myself together first. I got I got to clean myself up. I I, I got to I got to get this pig slop off of me. I got to get this mud off of me. I I got to get the world off of me. Wait wait till I get myself together and then I I, I can go back to God. But this son uh, uh went back the way they used to say it back at, at First African and East Savannah, Sister Palmer. They he went to his father as he was. <laughs> he went just like he was dirty and stinking and smelling like the hog pen and with life had, life had already beat him down and he didn't even clean himself up he went back to the father the way he was and Elder Johnson here's the beautiful part of the picture on his way down the road leading to the house he's coming across the hill and he sees somebody and somebody sees him 
And as he's coming up the hill, somebody's running towards him. And I'm sure he's trying to figure out who is that running towards me? Who is that coming at me? And when he got close enough, he was able to make out that it was his father. It was a grown man, a man of wealth, a man of means, had thrown away all decorum and started running towards his son because he had compassion on him, because he loved him and he grabbed him and he wrapped his arms around him and he kissed his neck and he rejoiced because his son that was once lost is now found. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I asked myself just now the question, how many days did the father go stand in the road? See, even though he didn't look for him, he was still looking for him. Yeah. He didn't go search for him, but, but how many days did that father go and stand in the road hoping that his boy would come to himself and come back home? And on this day, his prayers were answered. His hope was rewarded. And across the hill comes his son and this man of dignity and wealth and honor and means. He throws all of that to the side. He doesn't care about what his neighbors think. He doesn't care about what they'll say about him. He doesn't care about how many people will call him stupid for accepting his son back. He runs to his son because he has compassion on him. And that's what God has for those who get lost. No matter how they get lost, no matter if they wander off, no matter if they fall or no matter if they walk away. Oh, yeah, here it is. We're wrapping it up. God has compassion for all levels of being lost. You see, we judge people based on how they got lost. But God says, I'm ready to receive them all. Whether they wandered off, whether they fell, or whether they walked away, he says, I'm right here. I'm waiting on them. I'm looking for them. I'm searching for them. And I'm ready to receive them. I'm ready to welcome them back to the family. And God, can I tell you something? If you're watching today and you're lost, I want to let you know, God doesn't care what people think. A lot of times we won't receive somebody back because we're worried about what they'll think of us, what people will say about us. You must be stupid. After what they did, after how they treated you, after how they took your money and walked away like that, you're going to let them come back into your house again? You're going to restore them again? The father, he cared so little about what other people thought that he invited them to come to a party. How about that? He cared so little about what people thought about his decision. See, can I tell you something? He didn't consult anybody before he restored his son. He didn't ask anybody if it was an idea. Can I say something? When it comes to you and your relationship with God, God is not consulting anybody about how he's going to move on your behalf. He is not concerned with their opinions because he loves you that much. And he calls for the servants and he said, come here. I don't want to mess this up. But the boy came as he was, remember? And when he got to the father, the father cleaned him up. 
See, see, for all of those people who are trying to get themselves together, don't worry about getting yourself together. Come to him just like you are. And when you get to him, he'll get you together. Oh, is there anybody in here that it was God who got you together? Anybody out here, God got you together? So the father said, let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what to do. Go get the ring. Put it on his finger. Go get the robe. Put it on his person. Go get the sandals. Put it on his feet. God will restore you so fully that people who don't know your story won't ever know that you were lost. Did you hear what I said? You will have to convince people that you were who you used to be. God is able to transform us so fully until we don't look like where we came from. We don't look like what we've been through. That's the power of God. And then he says, I want you to kill the fatted calf. <laughs> we are about to have a party. He said, let us eat, drink, and be merry. Wait a minute. When the shepherd lost the sheep and he searched to find it, he called for his friends and neighbors and said, come rejoice with me. For I found the sheep that was lost. The woman lost the coin. And when she found it, she said, come rejoice with me. For my coin that was lost, now it's found. And now here, father throws a party, kills the fatted calf, calls his neighbors, friends, family. Said, come, rejoice with me. For my son that was dead is now alive. And, and my son that was lost, y'all say it with me, is now found. Jesus kept saying at the end of the first two parables that there's rejoicing in heaven, Deacon Pitts, for every sinner that repents. But the sheep didn't repent. The coin can't repent. But the son did. I've sinned against you. <laughs> And I, and I sinned against heaven and before you. Father, I'm sorry. Rejoicing when one is found. Everybody put up that one. I ask you to put up that one because you were that one. In one way or another, 
You were that one, and some of us were that one in more than one way. Talk to me, somebody. Some of us were that one in all three ways. Come on. I was a sheep, I was a coin, and I was a prodigal. I was all three. But glory be to God for his grace. That no matter how we got lost, how long we were lost, or how lost we were, God is ready and willing to receive us back to himself. So this prodigal son, who wasn't worthy, the father didn't even address that. That whole little speech, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The father didn't even talk to him. He immediately started the process of restoration. And that's what God will do in your life. I know what you might be, you might be feeling like. But I'm telling you today how God sees you. God does not see you as dirty and disgusting and messed up. So that's what people call us when we mess up. People have a good way of describing us by the mistakes that we've made. People will attach our mistakes to us and they will label us and every time they see us, they will call us what we did. But God will not call us what we did. He will call us who we are based on what his son did. His son died on the cross of Calvary. So that we could be forgiven for all our sins if we would just repent and believe. And he will call you son, even though everybody else will call you what they call you. And I heard somebody say this. These are not my words, and I don't remember why I heard them. I won't take credit for them. But I'll tell you this much. It's not what people call you. It's what you answer to. Today, make a decision to answer only to child of the Most High God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for this series. Thank you for how much it's blessed our lives. And I pray for that person who's sitting in their living room or kitchen or wherever they are, even on this lot, who will beat themselves down because of the mistakes that they've made, the things that they've done wrong. I pray today that they can receive your forgiveness. I pray today that they will repent of all of their sins and ask for your forgiveness and that they will receive it today as you give it. I pray, God, that they will be as ready to receive your grace and your mercy as you are to give it to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are not saved today, if you've been lost, you want to be found. I want you to pray this very simple prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sins. I am sorry for everything that I have ever done that is against your will. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. I also confess and believe, God, that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. 
And he is alive, seated at your right hand, making intercession for the saints. That now includes me. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. Thank you for searching for me. Thank you for waiting for me. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to ask you. Okay. I'm going to ask you to please text the word salvation to 912-325-9959. Please text the word salvation to 912-325-9959. When you do that, you'll receive a text and a link will be in that text. Hit that link. It'll open a form for you and that form will explain to you the decision that you made today. And beneath that explanation, there is a questionnaire. Please fill that out because we would love to give you support in your new life in Jesus Christ. Welcome to the body of Christ.